Last week we had uh, a photo booth station in the lobby, and if you go on Facebook, you can see all of the pictures of those who were part of that. Uh, thank you for participating, for those who were involved in that. I want to say welcome to those who are listening online. Your notes are in your program this morning. They were also on the YouVersion Bible app. If you click more events, Circle Drive will come up so that you can save those notes, you can add to them, and you can share them with a friend. If you scroll down, you'll also see a Parent Q app, which is uh, really important for our parents and grandparents to understand uh, how we interact with the children and how you can keep that conversation going during the week. So that is a wonderful tool that I hope that you make use of. Today we begin the talks about why faith doesn't work. So a lot of people uh, talk to me about this very issue, that their faith isn't working all that well. And so I want to talk to you about faith and perhaps why it isn't working, and we'll get to the issue of how to make your faith work throughout this series. So I want to help unravel the mystery that you've experienced as a Christian, or perhaps even another religion that you've been involved in. If you grew up in a Christian environment, you have maybe taught that if you ask God for something, then God will answer your prayers positively. I mean, you have Bible verses that substantiate that. Ask for anything in my name and I'll give it to you. And so you've asked for a lot of things in Jesus' name and Jesus has not come through for you. And when God did not come through immediately, you spent a lot of time trying to get God to say yes. Because you believed if you had enough faith, just enough faith, you can get God to say yes. Most of us hear amazing stories of how God has answered prayer. Someone broke up with a person, they prayed, now they're happily married. Another person lost a job. They had faith and prayed, and what do you know? They found a job with double the pay, and we say, wow, that's great. How does that work? And for many of us, we think there's a cause, and there's an effect, relationship, and life. You believe what should happen to your benefit so that you have an element of faith in life. Now, if you're honest, you have seen inconsistencies in this approach. In fact, over the years, people have told me that their faith did not work. They prayed and were disappointed. They believed God for something, and He didn't come through. They exercised faith, and they were disappointed. So we're going to look at this idea of faith through the lens of Christianity. 
But regardless of your background, I pray that you will have lots to think about as we discuss this issue of faith. I want to discuss what makes Christianity unique and a valid approach to faith. Now, I want to begin by talking about what you lean your faith against. What props up your faith? We may not think about this, but every day you make decisions based on your belief system. It is a conviction about how the world works. Something is propping up your belief system about how God works or how he doesn't work and why God doesn't work. So during the next several weeks, I want to talk to you, to those of you, particularly who have lost your faith, or maybe you've abandoned your faith. Because, face it, the categories of those who we call nuns, those who have, have lost their faith, once they were part of the Christianity, but they've walked away, that category of Canadians is growing. So this discussion helps us understand how important it is to have a, the right thing to lean our faith against to begin with. Some of you feel your world is coming apart and you don't know what to say or how to pray or even what to expect from God. And some of you are not even sure now that there is a God or if there is how personal he really is. What happened is, whatever you've been leaning your faith against moves, and then, like a ladder that isn't secure, it begins to crash and fall. So it becomes important to have the right foundation to which you have faith. Now, we have created environments in which you can come with your questions and you can discuss faith. For example, we have Alpha course, which is beginning soon. And at Alpha, we, dis we explore issues of life and faith and purpose and God and who is Jesus. It's a place where you can come to ask questions and, and further the conversation. Unfortunately, you can't raise your hand today and ask questions. It, in this kind of environment, but Alpha is a perfect place. So I hope you, you invite a friend who's exploring the issues of faith and come with them and enjoy a meal together, a video, and then discuss your questions. Now, after many conversations with people who report losing faith, my observation is this, when people lose religion and don't know what to believe, it is because of two major things. Two, first of all, lifestyle decisions, and secondly, unexplainable circumstances. So when people lose faith, it has to do sometimes with lifestyle decisions and then unexplainable circumstances. These two things tend to erode faith and chip away at what we believe because there's a faulty foundation to begin with. 
maybe you were raised like I was raised, where it was an environment where we believed that cheating was a bad thing. It was part of your belief system when you went to high school. So you, you knew that if you cheated on an examination, if you looked over and tried to find the answer, there was something in your conscience that knew that that was a bad thing. So then you moved to the city. And you got a job. And now you're part of a company. And the culture is dishonesty. There's a bit of cheating that goes on. Now, it may not be overt. It might be simply that you don't disclose everything to the client. And you're therefore cheating the client of the truth. On the inside, you knew that this was wrong. So now you have a tension inside of you. What do you do? What are the options? Well, you can work there, continue to work there, and feel guilty all the time. Or you can quit the job. Or what happens often is that we can adjust our belief about cheating. You can tell yourself a little bit, a little bit of cheating is not a bad thing. Or you can tell yourself, maybe my conscience is way too sensitive. You know, it's really not that big a deal. And we begin to change what we believe because of a lifestyle situation, a decision. And we stay with the company, and we adapt to the culture. But we adapt by changing our lifestyle decisions. Maybe you were raised to believe that you should never move in with someone of the opposite sex and have sexual relationships until you are married. And that was ingrained in you, and rightly so. For we know that the Scriptures teach that the sexual union is to be between a husband and a wife. That was something ingrained in your Christian training. But again, you move to the big city and everybody around you and your friends, those of you associate with your colleagues in the office, really don't think this is a big deal. So slowly, our attitudes begin to shift. And before we know it, before we know it, we change the way we behave and we change the way we believe. And we say we used to believe it was wrong, but we quit believing because we behave in a different way. These are, the, and these are some of the many examples that are out there. These are lifestyle uh, decisions that affect our faith. And then there's unexplainable circumstances. This is another factor. Maybe you grew up to believe that God would never, you fill in the blank. But it seems that God did it anyway. And you can't explain it. Maybe you thought God will always do this. But he didn't. He didn't come through. Maybe you believed that if you did A, B, and C, then God would do X, Y, and Z. So you did A, B, and C, and God didn't come through on X, Y, and Z. So there are these life circumstances 
that don't line up with the belief system that you had about God. And you're thinking about God and your faith begins to slowly erode and it's shattered because God doesn't come through the way in which you were taught and you believed. Many here this morning, including me, have unanswered prayers. Maybe you've been looking for the job and you're not finding it. You're praying about it, but you, it just isn't there. Maybe you've been asking God about your finances or trusting God for healing and God has not come through the way you have asked Him to. You even came back to church to get on the good side of God. You sit there and you say, God, I'm here. Do you see me? I'm doing my part. Would you do yours? So we do all these things. You work at getting on God's good side to win his favor. And hopefully, he will come through for you with your prayers. Now, after many days and weeks and months and perhaps years when God doesn't come through, you begin to lose faith because God did not come through the way you anticipated. Now, somebody told you that's, that's what you should do. This is how God works. And he doesn't work that way. And you lose faith. These two erode faith faster than any other that I have noticed. Lifestyle style decisions that impact what we believe. And unexplainable circumstances where God does not come through the way we have been taught and the way we expect God to come through. The common denominator of these two conditions is what we call circumstantial faith. Circumstantial faith. You believe in God based on your ability to find God in your circumstances. When you were young, you were raised to behave in a relationship that worked for you. But you moved away or you grew up and your circumstances changed and you thought God would protect you. If you did certain things, God would shield you. But God is not protecting you and you don't believe in God anymore. So if your faith, be it Christian or otherwise, depends or leans on experience that is, circum that is circumstantial faith. And circumstantial faith is always, always very fragile because life, listen to this, life is not consistent. Life is not consistent. There's a randomness to life. Have you noticed this? There's a randomness to life. And there's a randomness to God. I discovered that sometimes God is wild. If you grew up with a formula that you, if you read your Bible, if you pray enough, if you go to church, you keep your nose clean, you know, then God, you'll find God's favor. And the formula, when it does not work, you're tempted to say, what was wrong with God? What's wrong with God? Or, what's wrong with me? What's in me where God won't listen to me? 
Why is he offended with me? Why won't he come through for me? Here's some reasons circumstantial faith is fragile. First of all, we are not good at, interp at, at interpreting events. We're just not good at interpreting events. We look at our life and we say, I lost my job. Maybe God doesn't love me. Or we say, my kids are a mess. Maybe God doesn't love me. My finances are in the red. So there's something wrong with God. We're just bad at interpreting life. Now think about this. If you asked your kid at certain moments, certain moments in your parenting, if, if daddy and mommy loved them, what would they say? You know, you, you get your kid to eat broccoli or cauliflower, some other ridiculous vegetable that smells, and, you, and your kid says, my, my mom is making me eat this stuff. He, she doesn't love me. Or, or my dad, he, he takes me to this guy in an office Tells me to open my mouth and puts all kinds of tools in my mouth and a needle and he hurts me. He, my dad doesn't love me. Now with time, with a little bit of time, you're grateful that your parents taught you how to eat, you know, in a healthy way. And that your parents actually took you to the dentist. But that kid is not great at interpreting life. In fact, when he gets older, he drives himself to the dentist to get hurt. And it hurts even more because it comes out of his own wallet. So we're not good at interpreting events. The second reason is our time frame is not long enough. It's just not long enough. We're in the middle of the situation and we're tempted to make decisions about God and life in the center of a mess. And it's just not a fair time frame. We think if something happens Monday, and we pray Tuesday, that God should come through by Friday. And if he doesn't come through Friday, we'll be really gracious to him and give him two weeks. And if he doesn't come through then, we doubt God's faithfulness, we doubt his presence, we doubt his love. We doubt his grace. We're tempted to throw God out of our life because we conclude there's something wrong with God. We pull the lever and things are not lining up. We say, I thought God always. I thought God never. And it doesn't work out that way. One of the most fascinating stories in the Old Testament is that of Joseph. Remember Joseph with the multicolored coat? The annoying little brother? And his older brothers were so exasperated with Joseph. He was the favorite son of their father. And he was so annoying. And one day they wanted to kill him. Throw him down a hole. And one of the brothers came to his senses and said, no, we can't kill him. Why don't we sell them. At least we get some money for it. 
So they sold him. He became a slave in Egypt. And remember the story. You, you should read this story. It's a, such a great story. In Egypt, he was mistreated. He was in jail. He was forgotten. He was wrongly accused. He was accused of, of sexual harassment when really it was the woman who was making a play on him and he ran away from it. And he was unjustly accused of something that he did not know. And he was, it was like he was thrown away and forgotten there in jail. Fifteen years of that kind of life. Fifteen years. Can you imagine that? You're in jail for being falsely accused, and you're praying every day, God, get me out of this hole. God, help people to see the truth. God, why is this happening? And God is silent. Yet it says, Joseph held on to his integrity Joseph held on to his belief about God. He never wavered in his faith. And it was Joseph who was the critical factor in bringing the Israelis back to his country in Egypt, rose to the, the second position to the prime minister of the, of the land. And he was the answer to God's desire that his people be cared for. What if Joseph would have quit in the middle of those 15 years of despondency? The time frame of God working is often very different than our own time frame. Even Jesus on the cross. What if he would have said, boy, you've abandoned me like, screw you, God. I'm going to go down fighting and cursing. But he knew that God was faithful and his compassion is never ending. And the plan of, of God was for him to be on that cross because his father knew that there was a resurrection coming. Honestly, I don't know what God is up to most of the time. Do you? There are days I wonder, why is this going on? Why does God allow this? Why do I have such acrimony and despondency? And I assure myself that God is still the God who's in control. And this God loves me and is gracious, and the time frame is too short to evaluate. That one day I will look back at the circumstances and say, Ah, oh, of course God was up to something so big. The second thing is, we don't interpret the voice of God very well. Maybe you were raised in a church where people were constantly saying, You know, God told me to do this. God told me to do that. And God said this to me. God said that to me. And sometimes I go, boy, I wish God would speak to me all the time that way too. Now, I don't doubt that God speaks to people. 
And he speaks to me often. But the problem is that when you think God says something and he does not come through the way you think he should, the tendency is that you don't trust God anymore. You don't trust his voice. You don't trust his ways. Now the other option is to admit that we sometimes always don't understand what God is up to. You know, I, I misunderstand Bev's voice often. Uh, I misunderstood hers once. <laughs> but sometimes we don't understand what God is really saying. And a fragile faith bases things on circumstances and in the environment. Now, it is true. Hear me. It is true that God uses circumstances. And in those moments, something happens that when we look back, we realize that God used that to launch our faith. It was something that catalyzed our faith. But those moments are not designed to be the basis and the foundation of your faith. Circumstances come and circumstances go. And sometimes God miraculously answers prayers and works within a short time frame. But other times, when we're looking at our watch, God is looking at the calendar. If you are a Christian and relying on circumstances, your faith is fragile and it can fail. And here's the reason why. First of all, the sorrows and tragedies of life. The sorrows and tragedies of life. Some of us have, have walked through unbelievable sorrows and tragedies. You've lost loved ones. And it still hurts. And you still wonder why God allowed that. And where was God? Sorrows and tragedies are part of life. It's because we live in a broken and fallen world. People make bad decisions. And some of their decisions affect us. And we experience the sorrows and tragedies of life. The second reason is the randomness of circumstances that really don't make any sense. And it can result in you no longer placing your confidence in God. And the third reason, which affects all of us, is the pleasures and temptations of life. The pleasures and temptations of life. In the pleasures of life, we, we become dim. And we enjoy life so, so much we think we don't need God or we're not conscious of Him. We don't honor Him. We become comfortable with the way life goes. We're not dependent on Him. We're not looking for His voice. And then the temptations come. And we're weak. And we give in. And we think it doesn't matter when it does. And these erode faith. The sorrows and tragedies of life, the randomness of circumstances, the pleasures and temptations 
of life. So, eventually, the pleasures of life cause almost every single element of your belief system to become inconvenient. The pleasures and temptations will then erode your faith if it is not resting in the right thing. Now, here's the thing. The foundation of Christianity, hear me, the foundation of Christianity is not my ability to make the world make sense. Because the world never makes sense. Sri Lanka didn't make sense last weekend. This week, the shooting in a synagogue in California. The world does not make sense to me anymore. Friends, the foundation of Christianity is not an event. And I would argue it's not even answered prayer. The thing we lean on is different from any other religion in the world. So I'm setting up where we will go in the next weeks. So I'm going to get to one verse. Uh, and and it, it is the foundation of this statement. That Christianity is not my ability to make the world make sense. The book of Hebrews, we're not sure who, who wrote Hebrews, but he, it was written to Christians who were Jewish. Jewish Christians had no reason to continue their faith because it was really going bad for them. They left the synagogue. They left the Jewish faith. They, they believed in Jesus Christ. So it, it's very much like the Middle East today. Those who leave the Muslim faith, they lose their job, they lose their family, they lose their, pl their place in society. And the thing about it was that someone told them that Jesus was coming back soon. We say that too. Jesus is coming back soon. These Jewish Christians believed this so strongly that some of them sold their possessions because they thought, won't need this anymore. I, for the life of me, I don't know why you would sell your possessions and get money for that. If You won't need your money either if Jesus would come back. But anyways, they did. And so, since he had not come back, some were giving up on their faith. They were giving up on God. So the writer to Hebrews says, don't give up. Don't abandon your faith on Jesus because of your circumstances. He said, don't prop up your faith by looking what, at what you see. Hebrews 4.14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest. Now, the, the Jewish Christians at the time had been used and accustomed to a priest, a high priest, that they would go to for confession to find release from sin. And the priest would look after him. And they would the priest would represent God to them. But now, in the New Testament, Jesus was the high priest. It was Jesus that all of us have access to. And this was a, this was a new concept for, for those Jewish Christians at that time. And it says of Jesus, 
that he ascended into heaven. After the resurrection, he had appeared to the disciples, to the women, to more than 500 people at once. And then he took them to a hillside. He gave them the last great commandment. And he ascended into heaven. It's a summary of Jesus' life. And so, he says, Therefore, we have, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, he's saying, here is the foundation. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we possess. He was saying that the foundation is Christ. So let me summarize. I know life is tough for you right now. And I know for some of you, Jesus is not showing up the way you hoped. And people are hostile to you. And God is not answering your prayers. And your children are not buying into it. And things are tough. But don't quit believing. Why? We have a person in history who showed up and walked on this earth as one of us. And he died on a cross in front of all. And he was raised from the dead. And he was seen by 500 people who claimed to have a similar relationship with God. And he claims to be the one who represents God to us. Don't give up believing in him. Our faith rests on a person, not an experience, or even on answered prayer. We believe not because things are good or bad, but be or because we can make sense out of life. Not because we can answer every question of life. We believe because 2,000 years ago something happened, and that is the foundation of Christianity and the foundation of faith. And because Jesus showed up and something happened 2,000 years ago, God has done something way more significant than making circumstances work out or answering a prayer. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sin and your sin. And in turn, God says, I'm asking you to trust me. Trust me now with the details of your life. Trust me with your ethics. Trust me with your morality. Trust me with your relationships. Trust me with your family. Trust me with your kids and your business. Trust me with your money. Trust me because I have done something significant in history. I am the high priest who died for your sins and rose from the dead. He's saying, I'm asking you to trust me and lean your faith against something that he did in history because the foundation of faith is a person that did something for you. The great news is, for 2,000 years, men and women have faced all kinds of things, tragedies, randomness, and have come out the other side 
and have sung like us this morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. They sing, His grace is enough. His grace is enough. Because God has given us His Son who is enough. If you do, if you trust Him, here's what you'll find. Verse 2 of Hebrews. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Why? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He's saying, so you won't have your faith leaning up against something that cannot deliver. Lean it on the wall of the foundation of Christianity. That's why you can trust them. The foundation of our faith is not experience. On our experience in God's faithfulness, it is a person. It is a person. The next weeks, I want to help you define faith and show you why sometimes your faith has not worked. And I trust that you will come back with a friend. Would you stand with me in prayer? After this prayer, there will be some people here you have questions or you want prayer, they'll be available to you. If you have children to pick up, go KCS. Those who are kindergarten to grade 5 can go this way. And those who have preschool children this way so that you can get through the congestion in an orderly way. Now let's pray together. Father, in these moments, we come to you and pray that what we have discussed today will lodge in our heart and form and fashion our expectations of you. I pray that we would place our faith solidly on Jesus Christ and what he has done. I ask that those who are wrestling with the question of whether I can trust God and believe in Christ would hear the voice of God calling them to faith. Strengthen us this week. Help us see life from a clear perspective. Thank you for your son Christ who's died for us and come out of the grave alive. Walk with us this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here.